This is Live at Five with Glenn Curry. <laughs> Army where you shoot them a mile away, you gotta get up close like this. Bada bing, you blow their brains all over your nice cyber league suit. This will I kidding? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. <laughs> Learn it, know it, live it. Are you running a business or a charity war? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Uh, Yankees win! Pull over! No, it's a cardigan, but thanks for Derek and the Dominoes, famous, of course, for Goodfellas. It took three days to take, uh, what's his face, his name? Oh, whatever. Anyway, I'm slipping out of uh, a mode here for a Friday. Carbone was his name. It took him three days. Just, uh... Just so his body wouldn't be frozen. How the hell did that go again? I've seen the movie like 100,000 times. I still can't remember it. Anyway, we're talking to Matt Costelli in about five minutes. That's uh, today's uh, program with yours truly. Then after the show, about, well, after oh, an hour, as you know, in the last four weekends, I've been doing uh, football games locally here. The game of the week tonight is Watertown versus Ithaca. I think they're called the Yellow Jackets. Uh, and I'm getting better at the uh, ad banners that I put on News Junkie, by the way. I finally figured out a way to get a nice background color. So my, uh, the, the current one on News Junkie, and thank you, News Junkie, for not only providing that on a weekly basis, but for supporting the Game of the Week here on Community Broadcasters. I greatly appreciate it. I truly do. So, yeah, the color of uh, purple, representing the, uh, the, uh, the, the, well, the, not the purple ghosts, excuse me, the cyclones, but the color of, uh, the color scheme, I should say, at Watertown High School is purple. So from go- going forward, next week I think I'm doing the Red Raiders game, so I'll have a red banner. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been using free services. There's so many things that uh, Adobe and all these other uh, Canvas or Carver, uh, they, uh, they have different online services. Uh, they always want you to subscribe. I pay. Once, I, once I pay for something once or take a free trial, about six months later, I realized I've been paying like nineteen ninety five a month for something I don't even use. It's amazing how you can do things for free online. you just got to be good at it. Got to be thrifty, like Glenn Curry. I've been in radio for a long time that you learn to do that, trust me. And I'm not saying I'm poor by any means, but, uh, you know, when you work around operators in this business, you kind of take on their mode. And uh, believe it or not, it works. So anyway, uh, Matt Costelli, uh, you know, after the night, I'm reading his little bio. uh, Not little, it's it's a decent bio, mind you. Uh, Inspired after 9-11 attacks, like so many people that went into service, joined the CIA, became an officer there. Uh, his team. So I'll talk about all this when we're on. Um, you know, he was on with uh, Jeff Graham, not to, uh, what, two days ago? When was he on? I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Three days ago. And he actually shared the show on his on his Twitter feed. Um, so we have some, some information ready for him. Hey, if you, if you want me to ask him a question, by all means, give me a shout. 755-1240. Um, 755-12. Okay, so we talked last uh, yesterday about the game, the, the, the Thursday night game, which like three people saw because it was on Apple TV. Very annoying. 
Uh, you know, because Thursday night, it, there's not nothing on TV as it is. And whenever there's a, a national game on NFL, it doesn't matter who's playing. But, uh, yes, it was the Dolphins against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I thought it was the Eagles. Someone corrected me. I apologize. But it was the, uh, the Bengals. And the Bengals won. Not only did they win, uh, they came out with their new, uh, I guess, I don't know if they're their new uniforms or the, they're not retro uniforms by any means. But they're really cool black and white uniforms with the black and white helmet scheme of the Bengals as opposed to the, you know, the, the orange and black uh, representation of the Bengal stripes of a tiger. So that was impressive. What was very shocking, though, was the Miami Dolphins quarterback, who was injured in the Buffalo game this past Sunday, got re-injured again just four days later. So the NFL's got to figure out some type of a, rather a better protocol for someone who, get, who has an injury uh, on a Sunday and then plays four days later. Um, and it's no surprise, by the way, that Cincinnati, I picked Cincinnati to win that game. Miami's not that good. They have won two games on, on their record so far, and that's all due to the fact of the unfair advantage they have at uh, Hard Rock, uh, I was going to say K- K- Cafe, Hard Rock Stadium down there in Miami where they're on the cool side and the opponents are on the heat side. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it was very unfair on the coach's part. I forget the coach's name. He looks like the team accountant. Uh, it looks, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it, I, I don't know how he became a coach. He, do, he doesn't look like your prototypical coach, mind you. Uh, but uh, he made the decision along with management to, uh, to put the quarterback in there, despite the fact he had a bad injury on Sunday. And uh, he had to be taken out on a stretcher last night. I didn't see the game like, like most of you didn't, because uh, even if you get Apple TV, many people don't know how the hell to get it on the air. It's tough. I mean, I, I call myself somewhat savvy when it comes technic- to technical stuff, but I'm not as good as I thought I was because uh, I look at that. I'm just so flustered. If it's not something I could just pick up the remote control, go to ESPN and Channel 21 and Spectrum, I am completely lost. I am turning into my parents. I'm telling you, just like those progressive insurance commercials, which, by the way, are the best commercials on TV with the guy who looks like uh, 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 well, like, uh, Esiason. The quarterback there, only older and fatter with a mustache, and he's kind of the teacher. But that's what I'm turning into because eventually, if we had something where I'd have to set the clock underneath the TV set like the VCRs were in the 80s and 90s, where it was blinking, you know, midnight all the time, I'm turning into that person. I really am. And and getting back to the insurance companies, I used to be a big, big fan of Geico insurance companies. Uh, I you know, and then but once Flow came on for Progressive, which I hear is one of the worst insurance companies you could do business with. Uh, I, I just love the progressive commercials. I really do. I love Flo. I love Jamie. And now they got uh, uh, John Hamm on there uh, from, uh, from the uh, his Showtime show there. What was the name of it? Uh, Mad Men. <laughs> and he's done many other things as well. Uh, but uh, that Flo, I tell you, good writing, great stuff. Geico commercials are a thing of the past. And uh, the Caveman commercials are gone. I wonder why. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It might be, is this, uh, hey, Mr. Mike. Is this Mike Costelli? Or Matt Costelli? Uh, Matt Costelli. I'm so sorry. I I heard Mike for some reason, and it just threw me off. Matt, thank you for calling in not only today, but also calling in this week to uh, Jeff Graham's show. I really appreciate that. Uh, I've been working with your assistant on all this, and uh, I'm glad it worked out, despite the fact that we went over the time limit, I believe, on the Jeff Graham show this week. But good interview, Matt. Uh, A lot of people enjoyed it. And, in fact, I believe you shared it on your Twitter feed uh, the, the next day, if I'm not mistaken. 
we certainly did. Thank you for the opportunity. I was grateful for it. Well, you know, you're, you again. This is you know the deal. The the uh, the, the districts have changed. Uh, New York was a mess. They had that, uh, uh, that that primary in late August. It was supposed to be in June. They had to reconfigure things. Without going all over that, not many people showed up at uh, uh, for the for the late August primary. However, you fared very well over your opponent. Uh, how did you feel going into the primary, and where, how do you feel now going into the general election in less than 40 days? Well, we felt pretty good about the primary. I've been uh, honored uh, to have such strong support from Democrats. As you noted, we, we won with over 80% of the vote, and despite the challenges of uh, moving date and shifting line, everything's all set, and uh, we were encouraged. Actually, more folks showed up to vote for Castelli in the primary than showed up to vote in the last time there was a competitive primary in uh, New York 21 in 2018. Um, and feeling real good right now because it's not just about Democrats. We're building a coalition from the middle out of independents and Republicans as well. Uh, some of these folks we call mega Republicans, the make a lease go away Republicans who have joined our campaign. Mm -hmm. And uh, we established here in this race uh, something we call the moderate party. Uh, so I'm not just running as a Democrat, I'm running as a moderate party candidate. And what I've hear, heard from folks all across the district is a concern about the extremes, that they're the loudest voices in the room, and we're not well served by all of this division and extremes, and we need a voice for the middle. Most of us find ourselves, whether we're center-right or center-left or right smack dab in the center, uh, somewhere in the middle, and we don't have a voice anymore. And that's where things get done. That's how we actually solve problems. So this moderate majority we're creating in this race is, I think, a tremendous opportunity to show not just, you know, our, our district, but maybe even the country, what it means to actually come together to start solving some problems. Well, does that include, obviously, I mean, uh, you know, in so many races, or for that matter, the presidential race or a lot of these congressional and senatorial races, it comes down to the independents. Uh, when you say moderate voters, are you talking about the independents, the ones who can't decide if they're a Republican or Democrat? Is that who you're appealing to, Matt? <laughs> yeah, listen, 30% of registered voters in our district are independent, unaffiliated, and I think with good reason. I think a lot of folks don't feel well served by either political party, certainly those political parties that have been taken over by those extreme voices. I hear from a lot of Republicans, too, registered Republicans, that don't feel well served by folks like Congresswoman Stefanik, who have embraced the far right and haven't given them an opportunity to actually start solving some real problems that are facing working families throughout our district, whether it's the economic challenges that we're having or challenges with respect to our freedoms. Uh, they seem to be more focused on the division. So those independents, those moderate Republicans, maybe even moderate Democrats. I hear from moderate Democrats who are concerned about the far left, just like I am. And so when we talk about moderate, it's about where I think the majority of us actually find ourselves mm -hmm. and creating a space for those of us uh, who feel like we don't have a voice anymore. When you look at the 21st District, a uh, huge, huge ge geographical district, and you know that probably better than anyone at this point because you've been, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm assuming, and I'll ask you in a little bit, but I'm assuming you know the district and you're going to be up here more frequently in the next uh, couple of weeks. But, you know, uh, for instance, Jefferson County is considered, you know, very, very uh, conservative. It's been that way for a long time. It has changed. In fact, uh, the city of Watertown actually favored Biden back in 2020. That's the first time I I believe they've gone to a, a Democratic vote uh, uh, president uh, at that margin, at least. Uh, so that's that that kind of goes to what you're saying, that there might be more moderates. We might be turning to, to somewhat of a rhino district. But you're going up against a very formidable you know, candidate. And you know that, man. I know you say some 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 tough things and rough things about Elise Stefanik. But uh, knowing what Elise has done in a very short period of time. Uh, you know you're going up against uh, uh, one heck of a candidate, someone who's, who's accomplished a lot, not only with our community in Fort Drum,
from, uh, but just outstanding in as far as the Republican Party is, as a young woman that she is. At the time when she was elected, she was the youngest uh, female congresswoman of all time. AOC, and I believe one other, has taken that uh, denomination over. So what say you about you know coming into a race where there's a very favorable person, certainly on the what is now the, the western part of the district. Well, it's always been the western part of the district. Now we're somewhat divided. <laughs> and Jefferson County, I should uh, restate this, Jefferson County has changed, but a small portion of it with Carthage and Fort Drum is still part of that. Plus we have uh, St. Lawrence County and whatnot. What say you about going up against a very, very popular Elise Stefanik? Well, I think her popularity is actually in question. And, and it's no question that she has certainly done very well for herself. You know, she's advanced through the, the ranks of what is now, you know, the D.C. swamp. She's someone that has advanced her career. But I'm hearing from a lot of folks who have seen her change. They thought they were going to get a representative for all of us. They thought they were going to get somebody that actually delivered results for us, but instead has only delivered results for herself. And so while we can all acknowledge that Congresswoman Stefanik has risen through the ranks of the Republican Party in the D.C. swamp, uh, back here at home in the district, folks are concerned that we've been left behind, that we've been sold out in order to advance her career. Because the votes that she's taking, listen, uh, you know, yes, Fort Drum's going to remain in the New York 21, and there are a lot of veterans throughout New York 21. It's actually home to the largest number of veterans. Right. But Stefanik sold out veterans. She voted against veterans' health care benefits, like the PACT Act. And so those service members who uh, either were currently stationed at Fort Drum or maybe have uh, left a service that had served in places like Iraq and Afghanistan that got exposed to toxic burn pits and right now are dealing with terrible health issues as a result of that, she voted against health care for them. And so I think when we start talking about what Congresswoman Stefanik's real record of results are for our district, mm -hmm. folks understand that she has sold us out in order to advance her career and not delivered many results over the last eight years because our district is actually on the wrong track. We haven't had the kinds of investments we need in our community to allow our community to thrive. And so we need somebody that's actually going to step up, put country before party, and actually start getting some things done. Now, it's interesting. Uh, typically, when you see Siena College, you always see Siena College poll, uh, where in reality, and they still continue to do polls and whatnot, uh, but you actually went to Siena College. So this is the first time I can actually say, as opposed to a political poll from Siena, you're an alumni of Siena College. And when did you graduate from Siena out of, outside Albany there, uh, Matt? About uh, 2003. Uh, it's, we're starting to get close to a time frame where I'm going to go to the reunion. Years outside of college, <laughs> right? Feel old, right? But uh, yeah, Siena is known for polling, and uh, there was a time where we were known for college basketball. Yes, we will be ascendant uh, in, in 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 short order here. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was a Siena College grad. Some of the best best years of my life. So and then during the, uh, your college years, you probably were a sophomore at a 9-11. Uh, and at that point, you, know, you, you focus your life's work on protecting our country. That's, again, I'm assuming that's when you became a CIA officer. Was it 9-11 that inspired you to do that, Matt? Absolutely. I was, I was actually a junior in college. It was my, um, you know, uh, the fall semester of our, our junior gotcha. year. Sure. And, and it, it really did inspire me to serve our country. Um, as it did for many other folks, you know, who stepped up to serve and either, you know, uh, donned the uniform and certainly put themselves in harm's way over the course of this war on terror. Uh, but it was not long after that that I joined the CIA and uh, spent about 15 years there doing counterterrorism work. I led teams hunting down some of the world's most dangerous terrorists. I worked in the same department that actually found Osama bin Laden and did comparable work uh, leading efforts to find uh, bad guys like that. And I served in places like Afghanistan and Iraq. 
and that led to opportunities to serve at the White House mm-hmm. as the director for counterterrorism, doing strategy and policy work across administrations. You know, I served first in the Obama White House and then was asked by the Trump administration to stay on in that role, and sure. I did for a year. Because I'm all about, and those I think who have served understand that when it comes to protecting this nation, protecting our community, our, my family and yours, it requires us to put country before party. And my belief in that has never wavered, and I think we need a lot more of that in Washington. Now, it's interesting. You went from one uh, administration to the next. You were there with uh, Osama, check that, with Barack Obama for, for his, all of his eight years, one year with, uh, with uh, President Trump. Did you leave for a reason at that point? Did you like Trump? I know the other day you said you liked a lot of his policies when Trump was president. Uh, I just, I'm just curious why, at that point, you, you decided to, to, uh, to leave that position. Yeah, so when folks are down at the National Security Council, they're on rotation uh, from their departments or agencies. So I was still a CIA officer while I was serving at the White House. And those rotations are about 12 months, about a year long. I actually did, in order to span the gap of, uh, of a transition period, I did about 16 months. So I was overdue and needed to return back to CIA, where I spent an additional two years. Uh, and I took on actually a very different role, working with cutting-edge technology companies to help figure out how we can leverage technology for our national security, make investments in those cutting-edge, early-stage startup technologies mm-hmm. that could be brought to bear to help protect this country, and uh, got a business degree while I was doing that as well. I'm a glutton for punishment mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to education, uh, but put me in a strong position then to um, pursue outside opportunities. And after a, a career at the CIA for about 15 years or so, I actually worked in a company uh, here in New York uh, founded by a couple of veterans to better coordinate care for veterans, rural communities like ours, by connecting health and social care together. You know, I, I've chatted with folks in Jefferson County and adjacent areas. One of the challenges that we have uh, throughout many of our communities is we lack the kinds of not just health care services, but human and social services, whether that's child care, right. mental health resources, substance abuse. Sure. And this is a company I work for that did work in that regard and connecting those those service providers and making investments in our human and social service providers. And that's a big uh, sort of driver for my orientation about the kinds of services I believe we need in our communities to help mm-hmm. them thrive. Now, typically, someone running from the Democratic Party, and, and I, I watch a lot of the uh, you know the networks, the cable networks, I read a lot online, and there's a lot of divide. We don't need to get into that, Matt, but you know there is a lot of divide. But yet, you kind of crossed the aisle the other day as far as you know the President Trump is concerned. You said to Jeff Graham during the Jeff Graham show, uh, the hotline show, I should say, right here on AM 1240, that you appreciated some of the policies that uh, a former President Trump uh, laid down. We rarely hear that. Uh, can you can you expand upon that? What did you like about Donald Trump? You saw you were with the Obama administration for eight years. You went to uh, uh, Donald Trump. You left for after a short period of time, like you said, to go on to other things. But uh, what what say you about Donald Trump as the president, as opposed to what we're hearing the rhetoric that that, that we've heard from the from the uh, other candidates that are running right now about Donald Trump? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I think was uh, great about President Trump was that he identified a problem in Washington. And he pointed this out during his uh, first campaign that we have these uh, politicians who are only interested in advancing their own careers, who sometimes are only interested in reelection or uh, appeasing their corporate donors, but they're not actually interested in uh, serving the needs of the people they were elected to represent. Right, right. And we've got this vicious cycle in Washington with people only focused on that. And he called uh, that group the swamp. Sure. And I think he was exactly right. 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 And as we reflect here in this race, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that Congresswoman Stefanik is the quintessential example of the swamp, someone who's only interested in advancing her own career. 
uh, at the expense of our district. And so I think Trump was right about Congresswoman Stefanik, even if he wasn't talking about well, it. Well, I mean, well, first of all, I mean, at, at the beginning, because, you know, we have a history, of course, with Elise from the beginning. And, uh, I, I, you know, came across as if she was not a supporter of Donald Trump until, in fact, she came, you know, Donald Trump came up here to Fort Drum. I'm going to say about six years ago, Matt. Uh, and at that point, he had a big announcement about how the military were going to get uh, higher salaries. And, and Elise was instrumental with that. And I think that meeting and, of course, the uh, meetings afterwards, I think things changed. I've referred to our congresswoman, we, you know, Elise is our congressperson until the 31st of this year, as a, you know, as a protege of Paul Ryan from Wisconsin. And yet that changed the moment when Donald Trump came up here. So, but, but getting back to what you said about advancing your career, isn't that what politics is all about? About advancing your career as opposed to someone like a Maxine Waters who just essentially just waits every 24 months to be reelected so she could live outside her district and, and, and essentially right. move from one you know, uh, chair, uh, panel to another. But she, she doesn't aspire to do anything above, uh, above and beyond that. So many politicians fit that mode. We've had uh, Congress people in, uh, up here for many years who are just happy about being a Congress person. So what's wrong with advancing your career? Well, I, I, it often comes at the expense of addressing the needs of the people you're elected to represent because... Each effort becomes about the next re-election or becomes about the corporate donor who's going to give you money in pursuit of your next re-election. And some of these folks who have never done anything outside of politics, they become career politicians. They know nothing but being a politician, and they're afraid to even leave the role. I think we need to restore power back to the people. Some of the things that I've been talking about are certainly around term limits. I mean, we can't possibly believe that Chuck Grassley and Dianne Feinstein are the best that America has to offer right now. I agree. Uh, you know, I, I understand they're in the Senate, and this cuts both ways. This is, you know, both parties are, are to blame here. Right. I mean, there's an issue right now, uh, and it, it, it flamed up, I guess, earlier today, where uh, Nancy Pelosi isn't allowing a bill to go forward to ban members of Congress and their families from holding or trading stock. Mm-hmm. People shouldn't be using their office that we've elected them to, to hold mm-hmm. to get rich. And Nancy Pelosi, I think, is a problem in this regard. Oh, big time. I'm happy to see folks like Abigail Spanberger step up and call her out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us to do so. But that's the problem with Washington is people working for themselves in their own career advancement mm-hmm. rather than working for us. Speaking of Nancy Pelosi, you said something somewhat controversial. In fact, the other day here on the Hotline Show on AM 1240, sorry to get that plug in, man. I had to do it. Uh, you said you referred to uh, the, 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 uh, the Speaker of the House as an authoritarian. I actually had uh, the station, rather, called up, uh, was, got a, received a call about maybe 20 minutes after that program, uh, you know, conservative uh, website, but uh, they, they were very inquisitive about it. Uh, and so, you know, that is in itself something that a Democrat running for Congress isn't supposed to say. And yet today, other people in Congress are saying that Nancy Pelosi should step down. At the end of the day, though, uh, Matt, it come January, she's probably not going to be the Speaker of the House. Is, are, are people, including yourself perhaps, throwing her under the bus, so to speak, knowing that at this point it doesn't matter because come January she's powerless? Well, we'll see what happens uh, come November. Uh, but I, you know, I call, I call things like I see them. I call balls and strikes, and I'm not afraid to call out members of my own party, uh, whether it's the Speaker of the House or the President of the United States, when I think that they're wrong. And, Con- and Congresswoman uh, Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, has been in that position for far too long. She has been clinging to power, and that's what we talk about when we we talk about authoritarians who are unwilling to let go of power in order to let new blood come in or to let new ideas, new leadership styles come in. And I don't think we've been particularly well served uh, by that authoritarian style and her desire to sort of rule by division. Listen, this example today of her not moving forward with this stock bill, uh, I think 
is a real good example of what kinds of changes we need in Washington mm -hmm. to restore trust with the American people. That's really what it's all about. We've had these politicians who have broken our trust mm -hmm. because it is all about their careers. And I think Congresswoman Stefanik is a good example of that as well, because she has shifted so many times right. on our electorate. She used to be a George W. Bush Republican before she was a Paul exactly. Ryan Republican, before she was a Trump Republican. And we'll see what kind of Republican she becomes next. I mean, at the end of the day, I think uh, somebody that shifts their different version of that, maybe they're the real rhino. Well, true. But at the same time, nobody expected Donald Trump. You know that, Matt. You, you didn't, no, one, no one knew that was going to happen. Everyone was shaking their heads. Everyone was laughing at uh, Ann Coulter and everybody making those predictions back in 2015, 2016. So we really didn't see that happening. And, for, and just personally, and I, just, I know I, I'm a little biased here, I'm so glad that he did become president. I don't know if it's the best thing for him to become president going forward uh, because of the divide in the nation, but that's neither here nor there at this point. But, Matt, i got to ask you, because Twitter has been so, pro I mean, my goodness gracious, Twitter is the means for people like yourself and many you know, uh, sitting Congress people, politicians in general, just people on, in, the, on the, in the know, uh, I've used that as a platform. I, whether or not Elon Musk buys it for way too much money or not doesn't really matter. But you, you are on there quite a bit. In fact, you, if I'm not mistaken, you tweeted uh, t 10 times today, uh, just on the, tw on the 30th of September, four of which, Matt, was a poll. You have a, like an ad banner there where you have a poll where you have uh, Elise at uh, 47% and you at 46%. Where the remaining 7 or 8% is, I, I have no idea. But here's my question, uh, uh, Matt. Where, wh where, where does that poll originate? It doesn't say it on the actual uh, Ed Banner itself. Where, 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 where does this poll? Is this a Siena poll? No, no, this is our poll uh, from our campaign, and this is something we put out a couple of weeks ago, so it's a couple of weeks old. Okay. But our polling shows Congresswoman Stefanik and I tied neck and neck uh, essentially, uh, when voters understand and hear about the two candidates. So when voters have the opportunity to learn about Congresswoman Stefanik and how she's a sellout and how Matt Castelli is a moderate who's going to bring us together to solve complex problems, right. uh, Stefanik and I are neck and neck. So this is a real race, and it's turning into, I think, one of the most important in the country because we have an opportunity to restore public service back to New York 21 and send a clear signal that it's not about the division, it's not about one side versus the other, it's about coming together. Uh, and it's about the rise of a moderate voice. Well, no, I understand that, Matt. But, again, you did your own poll. Again, i got to challenge you to some degree on that because just the irony, of course, coming from Siena, or for that matter, John Zogby originated from the uh, Utica area years ago. Uh, I was one of his first clients, actually, when I worked at a, a TV station. And uh, why would you use a third-party poll, uh, pollster for something so so vital? Uh, that that, can, be, that can, can come across as something that might be, might be perceived as inaccurate. Do you, would you agree with that, Matt? Oh, this is our. This is a well-regarded polling firm that is a part of our team, uh, and, and it's cited in the bottom of the of the graphic there. Okay, so, I, I didn't see that. I yeah. couldn't find it. All right. Yep. No, it's there. Okay. All right. Well, and again, it's just the irony of coming from CNN and whatnot. And these are typical things in radio. When we uh, talk about rating services, we always have to put Nielsen Arbitron on. And if we don't, we get fined right. uh, like you wouldn't believe. And maybe it's a little more you know, e easier to do on Twitter and whatnot. But I had to challenge you on you know, that because that's important. You're saying that you're, you're neck and neck. At one point now, uh, the third in line as far as Congress is concerned, Elise Stefanik, you're tied with Elise Stefanik right now based on your poll. Yeah, when voters hear about the candidates and they understand who's running here, uh, we're tied. Okay. This is a real race, and Congresswoman Stefanik would do herself a favor of, of coming back to the district, probably, and talking with voters, or at least debating me. Right now, she's hiding from that. Uh, she spent a lot of time in Washington, spent some time down in Mar-a-Lago, not so much time in Messina or Malone, and voters have taken note of that, because she really is just focused on 
uh, advancing her own career and selling the rest of us out uh, instead of actually showing up and addressing the concerns of all of us, not just some of her strong supporters on the far right. right. She's, she's been elected to represent all of us, and that's what I am aspiring to do as well as uh, applying to do here in this race. Now, let me ask you real quick. I know you're a busy man and so forth, but with respects to a, a gentleman running uh, down there in the, uh, the Keystone state of Pennsylvania, I know this is on the Senate side, but he's, he's a Democrat. He's very controversial, and you know who he is. He's uh, Mr. Fetterman, uh, uh, lieutenant governor of uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, here's a guy who's got some serious issues uh, uh, medically after a bad stroke this past spring, I believe, and, and yet he doesn't want to debate. Uh, I, th- and this leads me one: Can uh, are you, are you uh, do you support a guy like uh, like Fetterman who who wants people to be let out of jail and uh, uh, legalize uh, narcotics and so forth? Uh, I, I, and when you look at someone in that party, does that make you cringe at someone who, for the most part, is crossing the aisle and you're you're looking at moderate voters? A guy like Fetterman doesn't even want Fetterman uh, uh, moderate voters. What say you when it comes to a gentleman, a guy like that at his age, uh, having lived under his parents' house pr- up until not too many years ago, running for Senate? Does that say, I mean, I, I, I've been so accustomed to seeing people in my days like uh, uh, Patrick Moynihan, a very brilliant man, professor at Harvard University. He, he knew right. politics. He knew everything. And I said, that is the standard to be a senator. And yet today we right. have someone like, you know, and again, I'm not a big fan of Gillibrand. She just seems comes across as someone who shouldn't be there or Kamala Harris, for that matter. What has happened in politics where people aren't as smart as they used to be? Matt, I got to tell you this. You come across and I've heard you the other day. I've seen your stuff. You come across as an intelligent guy. Congratulations. You're educated. You went to the CIA. You've done good things. But what's happening to the Democratic Party when a guy like Fetterman can get into the U.S. Senate? Yeah. I'm not paying too much attention to the Pennsylvania race. I'm really focused on that. No, but, I mean, so, but that might lead me to believe that you just you're not you're not a big fan of Fetterman. You got to I'm assu- I'm assuming that, Matt, because someone of, of your stature wouldn't wouldn't appreciate someone like that getting into the Senate with with his background. As a, I think a big picture point to speak to what you just noted. You know, I, I think we've not been doing too well here in America with many elected representatives who have made their way into the halls of Congress, uh, into the Senate, or into the House. Uh, and that cuts both ways. You've got folks uh, on the extremes like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, you certainly have uh, the folks on the other side of the aisle, uh, whether members of the squad, right. uh, certainly in the House. And I take great issue with those folks who are really just interested in either performance artistry sure. or not really representing the best that America has to offer. Uh, granted, their uh, voters mm-hmm. had an opportunity to elect them into office, but... Right. I think we should be uh, aspiring to have more folks who are really interested in just becoming public servants. Uh, and I'm, I'm encouraged by, there have been some, I think, shining examples of that. Uh, and, you know, folks like that have national security backgrounds in particular, whether they're, you know, veterans or service members, sure. folks who have national security backgrounds like me, right. who really just want to serve the community, serve the country, and get things done. And Interesting. Fair enough. Uh, let me ask you, are you going to be up in the area, uh, up in Fort Drum or St. Lawrence County, or part of uh, what, what, what small part of Jefferson County uh, that is part of the 21st? Or will you be coming up here in the coming weeks? Yeah, we, you know, so we'll certainly, and just to, for your, uh, your audience so they understand, it's the towns of Alexandria, Teresa, Antwerp, Philadelphia, Luray, and Wilna that remain in the 21st Congressional District. We're going to be having a town hall there soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have the exact date right in front of me, but we'll be posting it on social media uh, we're doing town halls in every single county in the district uh, and between now and Election Day. And that's something that I think is important, where folks should uh, be able to come together to elevate their issues, their concerns, their hopes, and to be able to talk about that in an open forum. That's where democracy really thrives, is it bringing people together to talk about those things 
And if you're either aspiring to elected office or hold elected office, right. you certainly should be able to stand in front of folks, hear their concerns, and provide responses to the positions you hold or mm-hmm. the votes you cast. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Congresswoman Stefanik hasn't done that for many, many years. She seems uh, hauled up in uh, in Washington, D.C., doesn't spend much time actually here in the North Country talking to voters. Let me ask you, what? Uh, wh- where can people find out more about you, Matt? They can go to CastelliForCongress.com. Uh, there they'll find our website. And if they're interested in the moderate party, we established a platform for that, and that's ModeratePartyNY.com. And I think folks might be interested and like what they see on that moderate party platform. Where are you going to be on election night? Oh, that's a good question. I suspect we'll be here in Glens Falls. Okay. Uh, that's that's where we're basing most of our operations where I live. Uh, and that's where we base most of our operations. It's a strategic location that allows us to get around the district if, uh, if, pretty effectively. It's a big district, 15 counties. Yeah. Uh, but we'll likely be here in Glens Falls. Let me let me ask you, is, it, is that also where Elise is going to be on election? That's where she's been before, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? We'll see. <laughs> she may travel it. She may travel into New York 21, because right now she lives in New York 20. Uh, here we go. Uh, so it's possible that she may travel in for election night. Well, I'm just saying, as far as, you know, that would be something where both candidates in the state, it was never like that, at least uh, since Elise has been on board up here. That should be interesting. Uh, Matt Costelli, thank you for taking the time today on a Friday, and good luck to you, sir. Um, perhaps we'll talk to you in the upcoming weeks prior to Election Day on November 8th. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Glenn. No, thank you, Matt. Uh, Matt Costelli, ladies and gentlemen, here, candidate, obviously, for the 21st District against incumbent uh, Elise Stefanik. i got to do a break. We'll do that right now. You're listening to the Live at Five Show. We'll be back. Quick Med Urgent Care, located directly. 22 through September 30, 2022. Uh, welcome back. Well, we want to thank uh, Matt Costelli for calling in twice this week. Uh, a lot of politicians, obviously, gearing up for the upcoming general election. We saw a lot of activity up here in the spring for the primary season, one of the most active ever. And it extended, like I said, until late August, where three people voted. Uh, and Matt Costelli obviously won uh, his uh, Democratic primary. Faces off against uh, Elise Stefanik on November 8th. Whether or not he's within one point, very questionable. But I love his answers anyway. Let's go to the phone. Let's see who's there. Hi, you're in the air. Who's this? Yeah, hi. My name is Bill. Um, I was listening to your uh, candidate you had on the air, and, yeah. you know, I was flipping my wig listening to the nonsense. Uh, this guy, <laughs> I, I agree with you. He comes across and speaks very well. He does. You know, he's a well-spoken gentleman. I he think is. He's fairly well-educated. Seems like a good guy. Quite frankly, yeah. Yeah. I think he's a little disingenuous for him to continually make negative comments about Lee Stefanik. Right claims she's never accomplished anything or That's never incredible. did anything, right. and then brings up one vote that she voted against and says, oh, she's against veterans. Well, right. take a look at the vote that she passed on and, and take a look at what the facts are. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not anti-veteran. There's not too many soldiers on Fort Drum that think she's against them. No. And for him to bring that up without disclosing all the facts sure. of what she did oppose in that bill mm-hmm. that caused her to vote against it. He doesn't care about that. It's a talking point for him. I think the guy's dishonest. I think he's a lightweight. I don't blame her for not debating him because I don't think he's worth her time. My prediction is this guy's going to lose by at least 10 points or more. 
uh, I, I agree with you there. Uh, the one strategy, of course, that Matt is taking, and I, and, I, and I asked him this, as far as, you know, typically it's either one extreme or the other, and, and we know who's extreme, who's not. But obviously, Matt, by appealing to the moderates, which, in other words, is independents or people who don't have any type of uh, allegiance to either side of the political coin, I think that's smart. Um, you know, like I said, they're, they're, the oh, landscape no is changing. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, he definitely has done his research. He knows he's in Trump territory. Right. So he's not going to throw Trump under the bus. Right. But for a guy to come in and blame, you know, a Republican uh, representative, Elise Stefanik, mm-hmm. in a state that's controlled by Democrats. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. He's un- and he's unhappy with the fact that she hasn't gotten anything done. Right. Come on. Right. You know, and this guy's a Democrat. And what party is it that's bringing us no bail is making an absolute joke out right. of law and order. Right. And it's the Democratic Party. So, yeah, yeah. you know, for him to come in and, and be running away from it and just, and, he, and just hurling unfounded accusations, I think is pretty cowardly, and I think he's intellectually dishonest uh, in how he goes about it. I, I agree with you. I think he's uh, smart in the way he's approaching this so, politically, but so I don't think he's thought it through all the way because... People aren't going to take him seriously if he's just going to make negative accusations without backing. And here's the thing. And again, I, I, perhaps you heard my my tone when I asked them this: is that when you do a poll and you do it on your own recognizance uh, and you do it within your own organization, when you have your your own college, the, the, when, you, when you can go back to the old alma mater and ask them and say, "Hey, look, a proud uh, alumni," <laughs> you know, and you don't even go to Siena College, which is in New York State, not to mention Zogba, John Zogby. Yeah. I know he operates out of Washington. I get it, but still a New York guy. You got to have a third party so when you suggest well, that, when you post four tweets uh the same day that you're down by one point uh that's that's disingenuous in my opinion i had to challenge them isn't on that. this what the democrats whole game plan is for this election well it's um, it's misinformation or disinformation releases <laughs> saying how biden is re- rebounding in the right. polls well no it's, it's like all nonsense of course but you know they you know you got joy Bahar saying oh the president doesn't have anything to do with the cost of gas and then m- m- he goes into our reserve the gas c- uh, prices come down by a buck as oh look what the president did so it's what happens today that that could work in their favor and again at the end of the day my friend Bill that is politics and, w- and there's nothing wrong with advancing yourself in politics uh, that in my opinion is exactly what politics is all about as opposed to someone and I'm going to throw John McHugh under the bus right now or Maxine Waters for that matter who stayed in wow. office and just loved being there so- somewhat like Mitch McConnell who obviously reached the top but is very happy being the minority leader because he doesn't want to share that status with other. Trumpers uh, in the Senate, and that's why he, he loves the fact that someone like Fetterman can actually win in Pennsylvania, so he doesn't have to appeal to the new up-and-coming Trump uh, uh, elected uh, officials in the Senate. Well, just this guy wants to come into to our district as a Democrat and do nothing but throw his own party under the bus mm-hmm. and not acknowledge any of the negative things they're doing. Oh, I'm not for this, I'm not well, for no, that. Yeah. Well, trust me. Yeah. This guy gets in office yeah. with the Democratic label on his, tattooed on his backside. Right. He's voting with Nancy Pelosi or whoever's in there. And she's he's out. He knows that. That's why he's said Liberal nonsense right. that everybody else is. Right. No, I or agree. otherwise, he won't survive long. I agree with you, Bill. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. Thanks for the call. That's Yeah, uh, no problem. I just think that you'd be better served by, uh, you know, calling these guys out. When they get on just talking nonsense, at least the deserves better than the treatment that this guy gave her. And he knows that, I think. But, no, well, uh, well, yeah, you know, no, I, I, I just, I just was incensed to hear him talk 
a bunch of nonsense about her without anything to back it up, and it it, it was really not not pleasant to listen to. Well, right. well, I appreciate that, and, and Bill, as always, yeah. I, I appreciate you calling in and also listening to the show. Thank you again. Uh, no problem. Thanks again. That's uh, Bill calling in. Uh, we got another call coming in right now. Let's see if it's the opposite side. Hi, you're in the air. Hey, well, I guess we can. I guess we get it that uh, he doesn't like Elise. Well, that's obvious. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's about all I learned from that interview. Well, I mean, again, isn't that what it's all about? I mean, you know, a lot of people say, like, for instance, I'm dealing with, you know, a couple of other candidates over the last four or five months, and I, and I asked them, I try to be their resource. I said, look, you could say this about the opponent and this and what he's doing wrong, what she's doing wrong, but at the same time, you've got to reinforce what you're all about. Uh, you know, guys like Daryl Orbitine, when he was an actual politician before he kowtowed to the downstaters, would say, it's not about me, it's about you. And that just became an expression that they all use. And then they just got enveloped with the whole system once they got into office. So it's a bunch of bull crap when it comes right down to it. Disingenuous. Yeah, you know, loaded against something, but he doesn't say, well, it was loaded with pork or anything like no, that. No, 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 I know. But, but again, you know, not enough emphasis on what you're going to do doesn't necessarily work anymore. So you have to tear down your opponent, uh, whether or not it's true. Now, remember, yeah, Congresswoman Stefana called in the, the other day. I think that's a bad strategy. I think it's, uh, you know, I Especially like uh, Susan Duffy. I liked her. Yeah. But all her whole strategy is just to constantly tear down Scott Gray, and that obviously didn't work for her. No, it's and it's, but bear in mind, it's still alive because she's on the uh, she's on the conservative ticket. So for the first time ever, we got two two uh, Republicans essentially running in the general election, which is very odd. Which is why Lee Zeldin was confused when he came up here back in July. He couldn't understand what was going on there, so he had to do a little dance like dip, dip, like Johnny Carson would do with uh, with his golf club. Yeah. But, but he should he should have talked about. You know things like uh, uh, the re- you know I think one of the reasons Trump got elected was he said I'm going to do this and I'm right. against this and he was outspoken and he didn't care who disliked him over it. That's true, and he changed the world, uh, and they'll never get over it. Yeah, you know. But thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, and we got a, we got another caller in. Uh, hi, you're in the air. That was quite the biased interview. Well, there you go. I don't know how you call it biased. <laughs> the, 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 the sun shines out of Elise's butt. How are you going to ever compete with that? Who, <laughs> I mean, who really, said that? I can listen to it, man. She's number three. Well, she's barely, she's not even she, 40. She voted, against, she voted against the PACT Act. That's a fact. All right. <laughs> How can you say you not, didn't bring any facts? Uh, she well, voted against the rescue package and then tried to brag, oh, I'm pleased to offer this to all you hotel owners. Well, you didn't vote for it. <laughs> Ah, well, fair enough. I mean, bear in mind, anyone you know, in Congress I mean, votes for a lot of things at any given time. You went on your Fetterman rant in the middle of the poor guy's interview. Yes, like, yes, because he is on. It's look, insane, I, man. I've been obs- it's not insane. I've been obsessed with Fetterman because, uh, to me, it is the litmus test. It is where the Democratic Party is right now. A party you know, guy like that who is got you to believe, and then that's, that's And that's I have to add, and bear I in mind. Care about Fetterman. No, 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 no. You always say that, SG. But bear and then I got to go. I got so many callers, I got another yeah. break. But here's the thing. No, I know. I'm not blowing you off. I knew that I was going to go out. So, but here's the thing: if you notice, and, and it, this is in defense of Matt Costelli, he didn't want to talk about Fetterman. So, you know, he's got to realize this. Wait a minute, why, I'm, I'm, why would he? It, he he's, he's he should because this guy is going to be our senator for crying out loud. And as a Democrat, he should say that guy's an idiot. 
Sorry. Did you see Bobert's, uh, uh, when, when she kept going off about Nancy Pelosi, and her, her yeah. guy's like, I'm not Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> know, look, it's, when, when, you know what, you see, everyone was afraid of Russia before they went into Ukraine, and now that they've shown that they're the keystone cops of communism, where they can't even fight, beat up their own state of Texas, essentially, everyone, now everyone's attacking, oh, geez, you're terrible. It's, it's the same thing, it's the same thing with Pelosi. She was powerful for many years, and now she's on her way out, she drank way too much wine, her, her son's a disaster. Her husband's a drunk, and she's now she's on her way out, and that's when they're going to throw under the bus. She, so now she, is the time to, to throw under the bus. She needs to go. She needs to go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I got no See, problem. had all those years. I, I think all the old. She's, all the she's old like an old Supreme Court justice who's done a great job, but we don't want you anymore. Yeah, out, out, out the pasture. The oldies, yeah. There you oh. go. Put him on a slab of ice like they do in uh, Alaska. All right, thanks. I don't know, man. Just a nice retirement home or something. There you go. There you go. Yeah, there's a real Democrat talking about the the Speaker of the House. Hi, you're in the air. Hey, Glenn. To correct something he said, yeah. at least does communicate with people in her district. Yes. Um, I sat on at least three um, town hall meetings with her. Mm -hmm. um, so she does, and she listens, and she gives re good responses. Yeah. Two, he was for, he, he doesn't like what um, Hochul's doing for bail reform, um, giving out friend, or contracts to her friends, but yeah, he's still going to vote for her. What's that tell you? Right, that's true. And three, the PAC Act had so much crap in that that it wasn't even really going to be for the military. Right, they, right. they loaded it, backsided it with a whole bunch of junk right. that shouldn't have been voted for. Yeah, and bear in mind that historic moment when the President Trump came up here, he could have gone to any other installation, but he came up because Elise Stefanik was instrumental in getting pay raises for the military, and he had that historic meeting up here, not just with himself, mind you, but also with uh, with Mike, uh, Vice President Mike Pence. They showed up in two different planes uh, because that's his protocol, and that was one of the biggest moments in, in uh, Fort Trump in New York State history when that happened. And, uh, you know, and so that, that has to be stated. I'm glad I brought that up. But I got another call. I believe another, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in her district, so she's got my There call. you go. There you go, my friend. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, my friend. Uh, let's take another call. I'm going to do a break. How are you in here? Hey, Glenn. How are you doing today? It's, it's a gun nut. What's happening, gun nut? Not much. I didn't hear the whole interview. Like you say, he's, he's real slick. He's, of course. He's full of grease. Yeah. But did he apologize for lying about the five police officers that supposedly died on January 6th? Now, we didn't get into that, uh, I, and I didn't want to you know, go into the, the weeds and that. Or, yeah, you or don't want to call him a liar because it's inconvenient for him. I, you know but, what? You know, I would go on, on a limb. No, no, Gunnar, I would say he probably wouldn't have gone that direction. But go ahead. What were you going to say? Just to, you know, just well, to give him a little Well, the problem is how do we take You know, he's just like Danny. He'll lie about anything. And you cannot say that five officers got killed. When nobody got killed. You can't say that. And how are we supposed to take these people seriously? Oh, I'm going to, it's like Danny telling us he supports the Second Amendment. I mean, what a joke. And, you know, these guys, all I want is an honest person. Right. That's you what know, we all want. You, you talk about Nancy Pelosi, she and her, you know, and the, and the brain dead husband, yeah. they've made millions, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars right. by. You know, and then they try to do something about how they're insider trading, and they can't do anything because it's all Democrats. Right? No, you got to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't. It's like it's like Scott telling us that the southern border is secure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Scott, Afghanistan you know, was a good move. It's lighter in the daytime than at night, Scott, yeah. Yeah. because the sun's out. Yeah, I love it. But what, gonna... am I, what are we? No, I'm gonna what are we supposed to say? I don't know. I don't know. I just again, but but you know what? You know what the beauty of all this, though, gun nut. 
We're hearing politics live on radio right here in this in this town called Watertown. 24,000 people, 130,000 people or so in this county. Uh, obviously a district that's enormous uh, because of its size, its geographical size of, what is it, 780,000 per district and whatnot. And, and, and both candidates are going to be in Glens Falls. I'm just, and, and it's not even part of Jefferson County other than the upper eastern part of it in no. Theresa area. But I just love being a part and hearing all this because it's politics as usual, whether it's on, uh, on Fox, on Breitbart, on CNN, or right here. That it's Always an attack on the opponent, and I, I agree with you. I just wish that they well, would talk no, more about the, po- he, the topic. He, he didn't even attack opponent. He just flat out lied, like Danny does every day. Well, I mean that's that's not that's not attacking your opponent, saying five officers got killed. So let me ask you, just I, plain, just plain lying. I'm sorry. Did he say that? Did I miss that? Did he say uh, during yes, the? Okay. We said earlier this week. Oh, okay, I missed that. Sorry. I hope I wouldn't have January missed that in this 10. interview. Yeah. Well, and and then. Did, you That's know, pretty whatever. bad. I wish I had not. I would have. I would have challenged them on that as well. Uh, uh, totally untrue. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And and it's it's it, as as someone who member of the CIA, mm-hmm. although not part of the military. I, by the way, if you're in the CIA and you're over there in Afghanistan, do you have to be in the military first in order to get in the CIA, or you just, just kind of like get into the CIA? I I I, 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 I wanted to you, ask them that too. I'll bet you it's all on an individual case basis. Right. Right. It's because you know yeah, tracking down the bad guys, you would have, you would expect military experience. But that's me. What do I know? Gunnut, as always, my friend. Listen to me at seven o'clock when I get when I'm doing the game. I don't have to travel I, that far. I this always week. the shows the show's always great. Take care. Thank you, my friend. That's uh, the Gunnut here on the Live at Five show. I wonder how much longer we can use Monica's like anymore. I wonder how you know. I mean, our, our Elise Stefanik took some grief for a picture uh, recently when she was at a gun show. She had a very large uh, weapon in her hand, uh, totally legal. Although some people question the actual trigger, um, but you know, people are so. Tr- speaking of the word triggered, they're so triggered by all that stuff. It's just crazy. But I just think a lot of people draw attention to themselves. There's a beautiful actress out there that was uh, that ha- has had. A traumatic moment in her life where she just she can't deal with society. Her, her you know, she has, uh, uh, I guess you could say, anxiety over the fact that uh, the, what was that? Was that uh, that show? The Family Guy did a meme of her, and now she has this completely disillusioned vision of herself. But she says it only so that she can get attention. People love attention. All right, listen. Uh, the game starts at seven o'clock, AM twelve forty, WATN Watertown makes us legal. That Ma- thank you, Matt, and thank you everyone, and uh, we'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Presented by Liberty Mutual Insurance. I'm Wendy Gillette in New York. America's heart is literally breaking. President Biden spoke about Ian from the White House shortly before it made landfall again this afternoon, 55 miles from Charleston, South Carolina, as a Category 1 hurricane. That's the sound of flooding near Myrtle Beach. Now the storm has been downgraded, but those who live on the coast are still watchful of Ian's potential danger. CBS News correspondent Michael George is south of Charleston. Water rushed into the streets on Polly's Island, quickly approaching the tops of street signs. And police tweeted pictures of the Polly's Island Pier.